At Epiphany Church, we want to see the least, the last, the lost, and the left out come to know Jesus. That's the rallying cry of our heart here. Um, And we believe that God wants to do the same. So we want our heart to beat the way that his beats. We want our lives to be directed the way that he would desire our lives to be directed. Um, So it is just a joy. It really is. It's a joy to serve Jesus together with a bunch of you uh, and to see the kingdom of God be built here on the earth. Uh, So with that, uh, we're in a series called Rise and Build through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, And it's been... um, an interesting journey through this through this book. Uh, you guys been enjoying this series at all? Yeah, one one or two of you, three or four of you. <laughs> so it's been a, it's been a good trek through this uh, this series. Uh, the book of Nehemiah tells the story of of Israel's rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and so despite the hardship and pain, the people of Israel saw firsthand how God fulfills his promises. Then the series draws out the ways that he invites all of us to do what? Participate in the building of his kingdom. So God is inviting us. He sweetly invites us. And you know, it's a beautiful invitation when someone invites you to participate in something that they don't need your help with. Like God doesn't need any of our help to build his kingdom here on the earth, yet he invites us to be a part of that. So through this series, uh, we've been looking at what it means to rise and build, to answer the call of God, to respond to what the Lord is, is calling us and commanding us to do as his people. So today, we're going to look at chapter 4 in Nehemiah. Um, chapter four, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a, just a walk through the chapter. Uh, so even though Nehemiah, he has the king's blessing, right? And the people are eager, they're eager to rebuild the walls. Opposition from others seeks to dishearten them from accomplishing the work of God. Oh, man, I wish I had some believers in here today who knew what I was talking about. Sometimes when you're seeking to do the work of God, there are people who are trying to dishearten you from accomplishing the task. See, as followers of Jesus, we're going to encounter opposition from spiritual forces that scheme against us. And see, as we encounter those schemes, we have to know that we can, we can overcome the adversary by praying, being watchful, guarding the places where we're most vulnerable. Amen, somebody. We've got to guard our vulnerable spots. That means that we got to know the areas where we're weak and where we struggle and where we, we struggle with sin because sin is crafty, right? It'll jump on your back, right? And you won't be able to get it up off of you. So we've got to align ourselves to know the vulnerable places in our lives. And then guess what? We've got to fight for one another. And see, so that's my idea today. The sermon is titled, Build and Fight. 
build and fight. Remember when I announced the, ter- the title of the sermon, y'all supposed to go, whoa. Yeah, because uh, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, we, we take a, a little bit of time to develop the title of the sermon. Like that's the hardest thing that we do all week. Isn't that right, Pastor Eric? We take a long time to, do, to, <laughs> to get that title together. So encourage your pastor, okay? So uh, the, the, title, <laughs> the title of the sermon is Build and Fight. Hey, there we go. There we go. There we go. So if we're going to build together, guess what? We must fight together. See, throughout the Ezra-Nehemiah story, opposition continually occurs to frustrate and impede God's people from doing their work. And as soon as Nehemiah gained favor from King Artaxerxes, what happened? Two particular individuals were very displeased by that. Their names were Sanballat and Tobiah from Nehemiah chapter 2. Sanballat was Nehemiah's arch rival, and he's known uh, uh, historically because his name was discovered on uh, a document in Egypt as being the governor of Samaria. So the Bible is true, amen? It's not some made-up story. This isn't some make-believe thing. These were real people going through real things. It's historically accurate and has been verified through science and archaeology and all that type of stuff, Okay. That's for free. You could take that with you later. But I, I want us to see this, that Tobiah, he, he was already in Jerusalem when Nehemiah arrived uh, in Jerusalem about 45 B, uh, 445 B.C. But Tobiah, he was known as the Ammonite, the, the Ammonite servant, which was a designation associated for people who were in high office, such as a governor. So Nehemiah had these people who were in high places, these people who had authority, who were upset with the fact that he was trying to do something for God. And see, the reality is, is that we'll often find ourselves in positions where it looks like there are people who might have authority who are trying to stop us from believing and doing what God is calling us to do, i.e. your boss who's telling you that you can't have that Bible open on your desk, your boss who tells you that you can't take a 15-minute break to go pray, your boss and all those kind of things that happen in your life, the teacher who's trying to stop you and tell you that you've got to use the right type of sentence and, and the right type of terminology when you're talking with people, all those things that seem to rise up in your life they seem like they're powerful authorities that have reign over you but God is saying nope I've got people in high places too and I'm going to work on your behalf to see my will and my purposes be accomplished here on the earth so Sanballat and Tobiah they're determined to oppose Nehemiah and the work that the people of God are doing And so as we seek to do all things for the glory of God and to be his agents of change here upon the earth, we too will face opposition. But guess what we've got to do? We've got to build and fight. So even though many times that opposition will manifest itself through circumstances, And and, and even times it will manifest itself through other people. We must remind ourselves that the real opposition that we face is spiritual. Oh, come on, somebody. See, we think that we're wrestling uh, uh, with that person on our job that doesn't like us. But we're really wrestling with is something spiritual. See, oftentimes we think that we're wrestling with the people who don't love God and who the people who hate God. But we're really wrestling with is the people what we're really wrestling with is something spiritual. Let me come up your street. Sometimes you think that you're wrestling with your spouse, but what you're really wrestling with is something spiritual. 
And see, as Paul, Paul reminds us, he says that the struggle that we have is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we have a real enemy opposing us in Satan. Who, whose objective is from first Peter, it tells us his objective is to do what? To kill, to steal, and destroy. He seeks to devour us. And so when we approach this, when we, when we come and we, we're trying to rise and build and we're trying to do the things of God and we're trying to walk in the purposes of God, we've got to understand that we've got a real opposition and it's spiritual. And guess what? We have to rise and we got to fight if we're going to see something be built that's better together. All right. So the first thing we got to do, we got to know that there are going to be times where we're going to have to fight through ridicule. See, when news reached Stan Ballard and Tobiah that the wall rebuilding project had commenced, they became enraged and they mocked the Jews. Similarly, our enemy, the devil, is also enraged against us. And Nehemiah responds to their ridicule and insults. By verse 4 tells us he responds by praying. See, we respond to ridicule. By ridiculing back. We respond to ridicule by saying, I don't play like that. You know, us colored folks, we don't play. (laughs) Nothing. We don't play with nothing. Stop playing with me. That's one of our favorite lines. Don't play with me. (laughs) See, we don't play that kind of stuff. But this response here to being ridiculed is to pray. Verse 4, he says, listen, our God, listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them take, let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. So Nehemiah, he responds to the ridicule of Sanballat and Tobiah by praying. And so we've got to encounter, when we encounter that, we've, we encounter a spiritual attack. We too have to combat it with prayer. See, Nehemiah's prayer is modeled after the prayers of deliverance in the book of Psalms. See, in the same manner, Jesus taught his disciples to pray for deliverance. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us. So we've got to pray for deliverance in the midst of ridicule and not seeking to deliver ourselves in the midst of ridicule. See, the problem happens when we try to deliver ourselves and set ourselves free from the things that are trying to oppress us and we try to break free from stuff. No, God is saying, listen, pray to me and I'll be your deliverer. Pray to me and I will be the one who will set you free from that. Pray to me and I'll make sure that you have the last laugh and the final say. And so he tells us here, the Israelites, they, they didn't let ridicule hinder their work. But they kept on building the walls with all their heart. Somebody talk about you on your job. And you ready to leave for the rest of the day. (laughs) I'm out of (laughs) here. You can't talk to me like that. No. God said, don't let that little ridicule stop you. Keep working towards the things that I've called you to do. And when people take the dream that God's given to you and they laugh at it. You've got to keep pressing forward 
regardless of how they might ridicule you. See, we've got to fight if we're going to build what God is calling us to build. And there are times where people are going to look at what, what you're trying to do for the Lord, and they're going to think it's silly. People are going to see the things that, 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 that God has called you to do and, and the opportunities that he called you to build, and they're going to, they're, going to, they're going to laugh at that stuff. And they're going to say stuff like Sanballat and Tobias said, like, who do they think they are? And see, when you are a, when you are a child of God, guess what? You've got to know it. When you're a child of God, when you belong to Christ, you've got to know that you belong to Christ, and in Him you have the victory. And it doesn't matter who stands up against you. It doesn't matter what comes against you. What opposition tries to stop you? You are victorious in Christ Jesus. So they didn't let the the, the ridicule hinder them and and stop them from doing the work. They kept right on building. And so God is calling us to keep on building. Don't stop. Keep building. So nevertheless, the opposition, though, it continued. And so upon hearing that the repairs had continued uh, and that the wall was about halfway its intended height and the breaches in the wall were being closed, Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad, verse 7 tells us that they were angry. See, people are not going to like it when you start making accomplishments for God. Like, they, they, people are going to get angry. Those who oppose God, they're going to get angry at the kind of stuff that you're doing. We, I, we posted some stuff on, on, on Facebook the other day, like inviting people to a cookout. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> like inviting people to a cookout. And there was somebody who jumped on the on the post and started saying all this stuff, like, God is dead and all this stuff like that. And it's like, we were just inviting people to a cookout, man. <laughs> like, it wasn't even that serious. Like, God's dead because you, you know, hamburgers? Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> but people are just going to be angry when you're accomplishing the work of God. People are going to be angry, watch this, when you start, when the work of God starts to have accomplishment inside of you. See, when you don't get angry like you used to at the stuff that you used to say, they're going to be mad at that. When you don't pursue after the stuff that you used to pursue after, they're going to say stuff like, oh, you think you're better than us. See, they're going to get angry when the work of God starts to have its perfect work in you. And so you've got to press forward even through ridicule, and you've got to know that you've got to build and... Hey, there we go. So notice that the opposition, it, I want you to see this. The opposition had grown. See, at first it was Sanballat and Tobiah. Now it's Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad. Like, where all these people come from? <laughs> like, at first it was just these two. And you know what I'm saying? If you joke like me, you feel like you could take two. Like, I feel like I could take two. You know what I'm saying? Like, walk up on me wrong, I feel like I got two of y'all. Like, I hit one, I'm hit the big one, and then little one, like, you're going to be in trouble. So, <laughs> but like... Now it's five of y'all jokers? Like, <laughs> like what happened? Like, what happened here? So listen, at the level of intimidation goes, and not only did the opposition grow, but the level of opposition had grown from intimidation and mockery to physical threats. See, all the adversaries schemed together to make war against Jerusalem to, stand, to stir up confusion amongst the people. That's verse 8 here. 
It says that, I'm read verse 7, it says, When Sanballat and Tobiah and the, and the Arabs and Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairs to the wall of Jerusalem were progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. And they plotted together to come against, they plotted together and to fight against Jerusalem and throw them into confusion. So what happens is, is as we continue to do the work that God has called us to do, we will face greater intimidation and oppression. See, that's how you know that you're doing the will of God. Is when opposition and difficulty seems like it's starting to mount up and build. And see, what we see is oftentimes we get discouraged and we get confused by that stuff because we say things like, oh, I thought that God was with me, but I see my circumstances now and I realize that God's not with me. No, you need to take a second and pause and realize that when the opposition is building, that just means that you're getting closer to the thing that God is calling you to. And so we've got to stop allowing the enemy's tactics to confuse us into thinking that God is no longer with us. We've got to understand and realize that as we grow in our purpose and as we grow in the calling of God, guess what's going to grow too? Opposition's going to grow. And so we've got to be able to fight in the midst of that. So again, Satan and the kingdom of darkness is waging war with all of those who keep God's commands and hold fast to the testimony of Jesus. That's Revelation chapter 12. But notice the response of Nehemiah and the people. It says in verse 9 that they prayed even more. It says here that after the Senbal and all his, his, his homies, they, they plotted. He says, so we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night see resisting the devil is not a one time action see it's not something that we do once and then he just quits he's not quitting why because he knows that if he can take you out then he could potentially take out the purpose of God here in your life. And if he can take out the purpose of God here in your life, that means that people who were broken won't find wholeness anymore. That means that people who need healing, they can't find their healing that they would have found through the work that God's going to call you to do. So the devil, he knows that and he's not going to stop the fight. He's going to keep pressing towards you and keep fighting until he overtakes you. But we've got to build and fight in order to make sure that the purpose of God continues in our lives. How do we do that? We pray. See, we look at prayer as some passive position. It's not. Prayer is, as my wife would say, the most violent, active thing that you could do in your life. See, when you get down on your knees and you cry out to God, that's an act of violence against the kingdom of darkness. See, my son, he, 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 he did wrestling this year for the first time, this past year. And he did wrestling because he's a football player, and they told him that wrestling would help him keep his stamina and stuff like that. One of the things that always confused me about wrestling was that people would get on the ground as a starting position, 
And I never understood that. Like, they would have their, their, knee, their knees and their elbows on the ground, and that was the start position. And I'm like, how are you going to win like that? Like, how are you going to win while you're on the ground and, and you're on your knees? But what I began to understand was, is that as you're on your knees and as you're down there, you've got more leverage to fight. And so that's the truth for us as believers in Jesus Christ, is that when we get down on our knees, guess what we have? We have some leverage to fight against the enemy. And we've got to use that leverage to fight the enemy fully and wrestle with the the, the kingdom of darkness and let them know, yeah, I might be down here on my knees, but I've got power on my knees. I might be down here and it might look like you might have the opposition against me and it might look like you've got the upper hand against me me but i'm here on my knees and i'm crying out to my father because i know that he's the one who will deliver me and he'll come and he'll tag team in and he'll come and he'll wrestle the enemies and wrestle out the darkness in my life and i'll be able to fight and press forward and what he's calling me to do resisting the devil is not a one-time thing we must continually resist him over and over James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The, 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 the language suggests that it's a continual resisting. It's not a once you resist him and he's gone. That, that ain't happening. You've got to resist him over and over and over again. And guess what? The devil comes back with the same tactic. Like He comes back with the same stuff. He comes back with the same discouragement. He comes back with the, with the same uh, uh, opportunity to, to make you look down on yourself and to, and to doubt the purpose of God in your life. You, you know, that didn't work for you last time. What makes you think that's going to work for you this time? See, last time you tried to do that, it, it, it was a mess. And he'll continually try to discourage you. So we've got to continually resist him and push him back. And so with this increased opposition that Nehemiah and his people face, not only... Did their prayers increase, but they took action by posting guards 24 hours a day to protect the builders from threat. And I want to submit to you that as you pray, you better be watchful too. See, we must continually be on alert and watchful from the attacks that the enemy wants to launch against us. See, there are just certain things that I know I can't do. Like, there's certain places that I know I just can't go. There's certain things that I know I just can't watch. There are certain uh, 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 Instagram pages I know I just can't go on that page. There are certain uh, uh, DMs that I know I can't go into that DM because if I go into that DM, it's going to be a problem. I need some people to tell the truth in here and be honest that you know that the places and things that you know that you shouldn't go and things that you shouldn't do, you aren't watchful at times and you allow yourself to get caught up into the trap of doing those things that you know that you shouldn't do. And in those moments, guess what you become? You become weak. You become weak. And opposition starts to take over you. And then here comes the devil with his old weak tricks, trying to accuse the brethren. See, you might, you're not really saved. Because if you were really saved, you wouldn't have looked at that. You're, you're, you're not really a child of God, because if you were, you, you, you wouldn't have went over there. 
Like he, he'll come right and he'll start to accuse you. And what he tries to do is he tries to intimidate you. And so what we've got to learn is we've got to learn to fight through intimidation. And that's my next idea is that we have to fight through intimidation because not only were the enemies seeking to intimidate them, but now their family and friends repetitively, I'm talking about the Jews, their family and friends repetitively sought to persuade them to stop working on the walls. Verse 10, it says, In Judah it was said that the strength of the laborer fails. Since there is so much rubble, we will never be able to rebuild the walls. And our enemy said they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. Verse 12, it says that when the Jews who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and time again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So in the midst of this, you see the discouragement even from their family and friends. And you got to know that it's going to be the people that are closest to you sometimes who are going to try to discourage you from building what God's called you to build. See, we don't expect that. We don't expect opposition to come from the people that we're closest to. We don't expect doubt and, and envy to come from people who are supposed to be our supporters. Like, we don't expect that kind of stuff. We don't expect the people who we're actually trying to build something for. Like, we're working towards building something to make their lives better, and they're the ones who are coming up against us. See, it was in Judah that it was said that the laborers fail. It was in Judah that it says that we'll never be able to rebuild the wall. It was in Judah that it was said that there's too much rubble around here for us to do anything. And guess what? It's going to be in your own house that you're going to have opposition come up against you. But Nehemiah, he continued to be on guard to the threats and strategically stationed armed guards. Where? At the lowest points of the wall and its exposed places. See, if you're going to fight through intimidation, you've got to guard yourself at your weakest points. See, we know the places where we're weak. We know. We know the places where we're weak. But instead of taking the appropriate steps to guard ourselves in those weak places, what do we do? We push it under the rug. We just sweep it right under the rug. And we think, well, if nobody knows, then it'll be okay. If I just don't tell anybody that this is what I struggle with, it'll be all right. It'll pass. But you are fooling yourself. If you think that the, uh, the, the way to overcome that is to sweep it underneath the rug. You know what happens when you sweep it under the rug? It just clumps up under the rug. And guess what it does? It causes other people to trip. It causes other people to fall. 
And when you won't, when you won't expose the stuff that you're struggling with, when you won't expose the weak areas in your life and allow that stuff to be submitted to the community of God so that they can peer into your life and they can build you up and they can tell you, hey, listen, in this spot, guess what? I see this in your life and I think that you need to grow in this area and you need to build yourself up here because one of my mentors, he tells me, he says that, that, that self-examination is a community project. And so you've got to work and you've got to build yourself up and you've got to expose those things, those weak areas in your life so that you can be built up. And see, when, when you don't expose that stuff, you, you, you think that you're winning and you're not. You've got to expose that stuff so that it's known and you can start to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to. And so that you can live the kind of life that God is calling you to live. And guess what kind of life that is? He's called that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's called that you might have a life that's lived to the fullest and that you don't have to hide and you don't have to duck behind your sin. And you don't have to hide behind your weaknesses, but you can expose that stuff and walk in community and it be received and accepted and you still be loved. See, oftentimes we fear and we think that we're not going to be loved if we expose ourselves. But the reality is, is this. The bigger the cut, the more attention it gets. See, when you got a little scratch on your fingers, people go, ah, you'll be all right. You're good. Yeah, rub some dirt on it. So we say, I remember one time my brother broke his hand and my aunt told him, you'll be all right. <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> like his hand is broken. <laughs> but if you walk to somebody with a gaping gash in your arm, guess what they're going to do? They're going to run and get some towels. They're going to run and get some some alcohol. Some iodine, some iodine, some peroxide, don't put no alcohol in that thing. They're going to run and get some antiseptic and all that kind of stuff to help you. So don't be ashamed of exposing your weaknesses. And you've got to build up the weak places strategically. That's why you've got to have some people in your life that you can say, listen, you know that when I go around my family this week, I'm going to be exposed to some stuff, so I need you praying for me around the clock, and I need you to call me every hour to make sure that I'm not tripping. You've got to build up in those places in your life. You need people in your life who will speak to you and say, listen, it seems like you're walking in fear, and God is not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That means that you can't be acting crazy out here. And so he gives you the, the power to be able to do that. So I need you to submit this and, t- and, and stop walking in fear and live in the kind of freedom that God's called you to live. You need people in your life to talk to you like that. So once more, this is just a, a, a great illustration that we must be aware of the places where we are individually and corporately vulnerable to the tax. See, we must strengthen the places in our lives that are exposed and weak to the attacks of the enemy and to temptation. Because what he'll try to do is he'll try to cause us to have fear. And so the next idea is this. You've got to fight through fear. 
See, Nehemiah, he also encouraged the people concerning the enemy. In verse 14, he says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. See, as we stand against the enemy, we do not do it in our own power. See, you think, like, I I came up in an era where, like, Christian rappers, like, Everybody was trying to find their little way inside of the Christian rap arena and all that kind of stuff like that. So you had some that were really good. You had some that were really corny and bad, right? And some of the ones that were really corny and bad, they used to say stuff like, I'm going to punch the devil in the face, chop his head off. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm like, I don't don't know about that, bro. Like, Like, you know he's a spirit, right? Like, you can't chop a spirit at all. That's weird. (laughs) Don't do that. But, like, we have this notion in our mind, right, that, and and, and, and it's good because believers, sometimes we feel like, like we've got strength and we've got power, right? And we do. But you play with sin if you want to. You play with sin if you want to. And watch what happens to you. Sin will have you doing stuff that you never thought you would do. It will have you saying things that you never thought you would say. It will have you going to places that you never thought you would go. And then by the time you look up and realize you're so far down and so deep into that thing that you're trying to find your way out and there's no rope for you to pull yourself back up on. We've got to stop thinking that as we walk through this life, it's just casual. We can't walk through this life casually. We need the power of God. Let me say it over here. We need the power of God. I'll say it over here to the people, two people sitting over here. Listen, we need the power of God. And we need the power of God in our lives because Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to be strong in the Lord and, and, and in his might and in his power. And as we, we, we must take our stand against the devil's schemes, not by our own strength, but with the power of God. See, we've got to know that God is at work in our lives. And for Nehemiah and the people of God, that meant that God was in the work that he was calling them to do, even through the frustrating plans of their oppressors. And so the work on the wall continues, but the people are constantly vigilant against the enemy. And as the builders perform their work, I love this, as the builders perform their work, they also had their swords strapped to their side. And see, as we're working and as we're building the work of God, we have to have our work tool in our hand, but we also got to have our sword in our hand. See, Charles Spurgeon, he used this scene for the name of his monthly magazine, The Sword and the Trial. 
So he had this image here from Nehemiah is that it says that as they were working, as the people were working, they had their they had their swords and their spears and their bows with them. And after they made inspection, it says they stood up. And they said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awesome Lord that you serve and fight for your countrymen and your sons and your daughters and their homes. And as they were, as they, as they were working, they had their sword in their hand ready to protect them. Well, what does that mean? We can't let our guard down at any time. We need to always have our sword at our side. And Paul tells us that our sword is what? The word of God. You've got to have this written on your heart. Because in the day of opposition, when your strength is weak, guess what you need? You need to be able to encourage yourself with the word from God and remind yourself of the promises of God that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be there with you. Lo, I'll be with you even until the end of the age. I'm there for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be by your side. I know it looks like the enemy is rising up against you and he's trying to take you out and he's trying to take you down, but I am here by your side. You've got to have your sword in your hand as you're working with your with your tool and with your pen you've got to have a sword on you so nehemiah was he was very concerned right that since the people were so spread out around the city that they could be vulnerable to attacks and they were separated from one another so therefore if if anyone sounded the trumpet signifying an attack was happening all the people were to come together and fight. Verse 19 says this. It says, then I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and it's spread out and we're separated from one another along the wall. Whenever you hear the trumpet and the sound rally to us, our God will fight for us. So Nehemiah understood something. He understood that if he could rally around, rally the people around this idea that God is with us, then he knew that they could accomplish the work. And as we seek to accomplish the work of God here in the city of Wilmington in our lives, guess what we got to know? We got to know that God is with us. And if God be for us, come on somebody, who can be against us? That's why Moses says, God, if you don't go, don't even send us. If, if you won't go before us, don't even let us go to this place. And we've got to have the same mentality when it comes to us doing the work of God here on the earth. Is that if God, if this isn't your thing, if this is not what you want, don't let me walk in it. Just let me stay in my seat and stay where I am. So we must learn to fight for one another, right? Because that's what they did here. They fought for each other. And so when a brother or sister is in trouble and signals that they need help when they blow the trumpet, of their spiritual battle, we must rally together and come to their aid and fight for them. How? Through prayer, encouragement, and being with them. And I'm closing. Here, you can come on. Here, a great illustration of us overcoming opposition by coming together as one is from seeing one of my favorite movies, Gladiator. And so, 
referred to as the barbarian horde scene, right? A sequence that takes place in the gladiator arena is the scene begins by Maximus. He's the protagonist of the story. He, he starts out by saying to them, whatever comes out of that gate, we have a better chance of survival if we fight together. Do you understand me? If we stay together, we survive. Not only did they survive, but they defeated the adversaries. And I'm here to submit to you today that one day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood at a different gate known as the gates of hell. And he proclaimed that upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus proclaimed to us that my gathered people, my ecclesia, my people who will fight together and fight for one another, Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it. I'm going to submit to us today that we've got to fight together, y'all. We can't allow others, we can't allow one another to fight alone. Like, we have to fight together. This battle against sin, this battle against the darkness of this world, it is only conquered when we fight together. So God is calling us to build and fight. We've got to stand on our guard and we've got to fight. We've got to use all the weapons at our disposal. We've got to fight. We can't look out into the communities that we seek to serve and say, it's too far gone. No, we've got to fight. We can't look at our, our family members and say, they'll never walk with Jesus. Nah, you better get you a prayer group together of other believers in Jesus and tell them, listen, I'm praying for my cousin right now. I need her to come and follow Jesus and I need her to get her act right. So I need you to gather together with me so that we can fight against the enemy that's seeking to hold her bondage to sin. And I need us to fight together. We can't look at certain situations and think it'll never happen. It's too much. There's too much rubble here. No. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who was able to rebuild the brokenness of your life and make you into a new creation. He's able to do it. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling with the brokenness of your own life. You've been trying for so long to put the pieces back together. You've been trying to rebuild your life on your own. God's saying to you today, you need a community of people who will fight with you and help you to rebuild. And it starts by you allowing Jesus the chief cornerstone. The beginning place for all building is the cornerstone of the building. And the scripture proclaims to us that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. 
So if you've been trying to build your life without the cornerstone, guess what? The foundation is going to be off and it's going to crumble back again. And you might think, yeah, I'm working and I'm doing it and, and I'm getting better and, I, and I'm doing things the right way. But if it's not built on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, it will ultimately tip over and it will fall. Jesus is calling you today. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. Where you don't have to walk in confusion anymore. You don't have to walk in doubt You don't got to walk in uncertainty or fear, intimidation, opposition, ridicule. All those things don't matter. In Christ, we have the victory because he is our victor. Won't you trust him today? Is there one today, every head bowed, every eye closed, is there one today who says, I've been trying to rebuild my life for such a long time. I've been trying to make decisions and I've been fearful. I've been trying to live the life that I know that God's calling me to live, but I keep stumbling. I keep falling. If that's you today, we want you to place your faith and trust in Jesus. He's the only one who's able to deliver you. He's the only one that's able to set you free. And he calls us to walk in the freedom that he gives to us. Because who the sun sets free, the scripture says, they're free indeed. That means that your freedom is certain. That means that you'll never be bound to those things that held you bound before. You'll never be bound to depression. You'll never be bound to anxiety. You'll never be bound to fear again when you allow Christ to set you free. Is there one? If it is, we want to pray with you. But we'll pray together. And if you made a decision for Jesus, we let somebody know. Let one of our hospitality team know. Fill it out on the card and say, I made a decision for Jesus today. So we want to pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace, your love, your might, your power. God, thank you that you keep us, you transform us, you renew us, you make us new. And God, as the people that you've called to do a work here on the earth, God, I pray that we will build and fight, that we wouldn't let the, the tricks of the enemy distract us from building, but we would fight through all of that stuff, that we would fight to see the kingdom of God come here on the earth as it is in heaven, that we would fight to see our loved ones come to know Christ, that we would fight to see our neighbors walking with Jesus, that we would fight to see our children walking with Christ again, that we would fight to see the ones that we love in relationship with Jesus. Help us to fight. And God, I pray that we would fight not in our own strength, but in the power that you give. And it's in the name of Christ Jesus that I pray. With thanksgiving, knowing you will accomplish everything you said you would do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.